0: Hello, this is Pam Concier from All Hands Art and I'm back with episode two of the brand new podcast called The Accidental Muralist. And I'm trying to come up with a tagline or like a subtitle for the podcast. I want it to be stories from the messy middle of crafting a creative life, something like that. Um, I gave my personal story of how I became an accidental muralist in episode one. So if you haven't listened to that and you have some extra time on your hands in this weird COVID-19 era we're living in, um, you could go back and listen to that one. And um, because the stories I'm interested in are regular people who are not famous, but who are carving out a creative lifestyle and making changes that they've always wanted to make. And it's messy, and it usually doesn't go the way you expect, Um, but it also is really satisfying and full of fun challenges. So those are the kind of stories I want to share, and I um, I see some interviews in my future. There's some people I have in mind that I'd like to interview, and we'll just see how this podcast evolves. So thanks for being there. I want to clear up one thing um, in the for those you know maybe three of you who listen no maybe it was more um, to episode one towards the end I was saying how I appreciate feedback which I always do and that it I said something like you know it's not if nobody's listening or if it's not impacting anybody or making a difference then what's the point of doing this but I've changed my mind since then because I decided even if nobody were listening, um, this is still worthwhile for me to do because it challenges me to be brave and to try something new and put myself out there. And that is always worthwhile. So I hope that people listen. Um, You right now, thank you for listening. And um, today's episode is Maybe it will inspire you to start a podcast or do something creative, because what I want to talk about today is the silver lining of this COVID-19 pandemic time that we're living in, which has disrupted everybody's life. And before I talk about the silver lining, of course, I want to acknowledge, um, the people who are really in the heart of it, all the medical workers and anyone in the medical profession who's impacted and risking their lives by trying to help other people. Also grocery store workers and delivery people and everyone who's keeping the rest of us safe and fed. I want to acknowledge those people and thank you. and not in any way diminish the seriousness of this moment. On the other hand, and at the same time, it is a really interesting opportunity. And the way I think about this coming from an art space is um, because we know that disruption is a major catalyst for creative thinking. I was listening to something on NPR recently that was a TED, Ted Hour, TED Talk Hour, and it was an, a replay of an episode about creativity or jump-starting creativity, I think it was called. And one of the segments was about disruption and focused specifically on just normal people. Not, They had some segments about how disruption... Um, sort of forced artists to take their art to a new level, but also then the guy was talking about for ordinary people, disruption is also a creative catalyst. And he gave the example of a few years ago in the London underground, the subway system, there was some technical problem and it had to be shut down for, for two days. So for two days, all the people who relied on the subway in London for getting to work or wherever they go, they had to find a different way. So that was a major disruption, obviously, and 48 hours later, it came back up. A lot of people went back to their old way of doing things, but the interesting thing by some economists who were following, tracking people's um, habits and movements during that time, they found that a large minority of people never went back to their old ways. So they're inferring from that that by by virtue of having their their uh, patterns disrupted, they found a better way. Maybe they found a healthier way or a way that suited their lifestyle better and, and they might not have changed that pattern or that habit without the disruption. So um, there are many ways that disruption can cause creativity. We know that you know, if you're camping in a wilderness area and you need to somehow block your cooking stove, cook stove from the wind, you know, we can come up with all kinds of creative ways to, um, to do that using limited resources. And sometimes in our daily lives as people living in the United States who are, um, especially for middle-class white people, we usually have everything we need. We don't really need to be creative to solve daily problems unless we want to. That's not really true. A lot of people's work is, is creative problem solving. So I'm not, I'm not diminishing our creativity as a culture, but I think in, in the sense of thinking about art types of creativity, we kind of put that in a separate box. So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, So the silver lining of this COVID-19 pandemic time is um, that this is someday what I hear people talk a lot about as someone, as an art professional, a person who teaches art and engages people in a lot of art projects on murals and such. I hear all the time people talking about how someday when I have more time I really want to get back into painting or someday you know I have this writing project I want to do and someday when I have more time. So the silver lining I see not only is that their creativity from the disruption like we're forced out of our normal habits but a lot of us who are not on the front lines of um, the medical crisis we suddenly have more time on our hands because work is closed or school is online or our normal routines are not normal anymore. And for a lot of us that has freed up time that we didn't used to have. So I want to point out to you that if you haven't already figured it out, all of those things that you've been putting off until someday it's very likely that someday is today. Um, and as a person who has traveled to someday before, and what I mean by that is, I was one of those people for many years who talked about someday I'd like to get back into art, someday I wanna take up painting again. I, I've stopped saying someday I wanna write and illustrate children's books because I got tired of hearing myself say that and not doing anything about it. Um, But actually, that was the thing. Because I had this someday goal of writing and illustrating children's books for many years, I got so sick of hearing myself say that, either out loud or mostly to myself, but not doing anything about it, that I gave myself sort of a put up or shut up challenge. This was probably 20 years ago. Um, To either stop saying that or to do something about it. So I started doing something about it, which at that time when I had two two young kids at home and I was teaching kindergarten full-time, what I tried to do then was spend 10 minutes drawing each day or take one art class each term at a local um, community center or You know, I would just look for opportunities to take one small step towards that goal. So I would not be so sick of hearing myself say this someday dream that I wasn't doing anything about. So um, I have the experience of having been to someday (laughs) and now I am a full-time artist. So I, I made it there. I made it through the transition from my old life to the thing that I wanted to do someday. And so I feel like I can I can help you not only do I want to challenge you to pick up some one of your someday goals but um, I want to give you some support because I learned a few things along the way Um, and one of the main things I learned is that when you arrive at someday which maybe that's today you are the same person that you were yesterday and i think for me and maybe a lot of us when we when we project forward into someday this magical time in the future along with that we project that we will have some different temperament different habits different mental chatter or magically it will go away all those critical voices we hear we might project that we magically have a a new skill set even though we haven't really been doing anything to build that skill set we just sort of project that somehow it's going to be easy someday Um, because we, you know, it's in this realm of the imagination. So some, some of those things were at play with me. And when, when I finally did commit to making some big changes toward art, small changes and big changes, um, they were hard because I was the same person (laughs) and I still had the same hangups and the same tendencies and, um, so that's one thing i want to caution you about is that um yes welcome to someday hooray we all made it and you're the same person you were yesterday um, when you were not doing that someday thing so it's good to be aware of that but i'm not going to leave you hanging because i have some i have some steps that can help you get there i've been thinking a lot about this lately because, as I work on some writing projects of my own that are sort of my someday projects, um, I've been trying to unpack this like how how does a person looking at my own experience, how did I get from being a teacher, wife, parent who didn't who wasn't making art to being the full-time visual artist that I am today. How did that happen? And so I spend some time breaking it down. There are three steps I'd like to share with you today. It's not like a easy do these three things and 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 hooray, you'll be there. They're they're not easy steps, but they are helpful steps. Or they were helpful for, for me. So the first one um, is to shift to reset the narrative i'll tell you what the three steps are and then we'll go through it these are the three steps i found very helpful and necessary for me to to get from like i'm a school teacher i'm a wife and a mother every once in a while i spend 10 minutes drawing to now i'm a full-time artist Um, And I'm not saying that you have the goal of being a full-time artist, but most of the people who are interested in my work have some Aspiration to do more art to be more creative. So I'm going to assume That you are in that category. Just you want to do a little bit more than what you're doing now Um, So the steps that I have arrived at are reset the narrative. I'll talk more about that in a minute shift your focus and own your style. Those are the three things I'm gonna talk about today. So reset the narrative. What I mean by that, um, and I'm speaking as someone who grew up in the United States of America, this might not be the case all over the world um, because I don't have experience growing up anyplace else, but in our country, we are trained to worship capitalism. That's one thing we do here really well. Um, and I find the more I think about it, that capitalism and art are in opposition to each other. I wrote about this in the fall when I did a blog post about preparing for the holiday craft show season and craft sales and all the things behind the scenes that go on about that and how it really, business and art are sort of opposing forces. Um, because art is about taking risks and seeking truth, and that doesn't really scale very well. Um, Or when it does scale, it ceases to be art and it starts to become production instead. Um, I can link to that article below in the notes. But art, so in our society, we have a lot of messages that have more to do with capitalism. It's about competition, our values are around ranking each other and comparing and seeing who's going to be better and um, and if you're in the art realm that way of thinking is really counterproductive it's it's not a useful thing to be trying to be creative and always comparing yourself with everybody else and deciding who's better and who's worse and and are you going to be able to be the best and none of that is helpful um so that's that's part of our narrative that we need to to examine Um, we also get a message in our culture that art is kind of a waste of time frivolous something to be done only after all the chores are done after all the quote-unquote real work is finished Um, if you have time you know later on it's kind of we picture like retired grandmothers they have time to do art because they you know they're retired and that's okay for them but for like people who are supposed to be productive because that's what we worship too is productivity um art and art doesn't look very productive because art is dabbling and thinking and you know trying things and smushing paint around on a canvas and how is that helping our capitalist system other than you probably bought some art supplies so that's that's sort of a narrative that is working against us because we we like to be productive we're trained that way and art feels very unproductive especially for the first hour or so that it kind of takes you to settle into it um it we're given a message that it's Sort of um, emotional, maybe sort of girly. I think boys in our society have an even harder time if they are inclined to draw or paint because they will hear it and be teased or worse from their peer group, from their fathers a lot of times, um, that you know there's something wrong with them. Uh, We see artists in our culture as sort of oddballs or weirdos or somehow touched with this gift. And mostly it's like those people over there, but not you or not me. Um, And I'm hoping that some of this is not true for you. These were some of the messages I absorbed, even though my family growing up was pretty creative. My mom was very creative. And, you know, we we had a lot of creativity going on in our house but I still observed and absorbed these messages from the culture because they're everywhere Um, so those are some of the the narratives we've been handed and it takes some mental work maybe some journaling or some intentional work to shift out of those narratives because you're going to have a lot of voices as you move toward more creative artistic work, whether it's music or writing or painting or whatever you choose as your someday project, there's gonna be a lot of cultural voices and messaging in your head telling you, why are you wasting time? Do something more productive. Um, You're not gonna be the best at this, so why even bother and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're trying to shift toward is the attitude um, that my friend Claudia and I, who used to do a lot of mural projects together, we would and she was the art teacher at my kids' school. she we had conversations about how art is problem solving. it's just a hundred percent problem solving, um, which is why it makes me mad when schools eliminate art when they're running out of money because, These are skills that we really need in our society right now where we have a lot of problems. Um, So for example, if if it's hard for you to imagine art as problem solving, let's take this example. I have a boot in front of me and I want to paint a picture of it. So problem number one is how do I translate this three-dimensional object onto a two-dimensional surface using paint on fabric? um so that's problem number one and then every step along the way as you start to make marks on the canvas and then respond to them you're solving problems of like why doesn't this look right or where do i need more um paint or how can i get the color to be what i want wanted to look more like that thing i'm painting why is the shape, what's wrong with the shape, you know, any, I think you get the idea. So it's, it's just a continuous series of problem solving. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in this in the next, well, actually, that's a good segue um, into your helpful step number two. One more thing I want to say about resetting the narrative, though, is we want to start to think of art and creativity not as a frivolous extra for when all the quote-unquote real work is done and you have extra time but as very core and central to our humanity it's a soul level endeavor and for me writing and painting or putting putting colors on a canvas is how I learn to understand myself and to know what I think and what I'm feeling. And I know there's a lot of people out in the world right now who don't want to look too closely at what they're feeling, <laughs> but the ones of us who want to be healthy, art is a really great way to tune into that for your own health. So, um, that's that's the narrative we want to shift to. You're doing this for your soul. Second step is about shifting your focus. So along with all the good capitalist um, narratives we've been taught, one of them is judgment. We're continually ranking things such as my favorite example I've used before is movies you know their stories on the big screen and yet how they're reported in the news is which one made the most money this one was in first place sometimes they actually use first place second place um, as though that tells us anything about whether the story moved people um, who was represented in the cast what who was centered? Was it a story again about a group of white males? Um, you know, it doesn't give us any qualitative information. It reduces a story into a number that we can relate to, which is how much money it made. so in our in our culture, we're used to judging things, ranking things, and that, like I said earlier, is not helpful for creative thinking. So the main shift we want to make here is shifting from judgment to curiosity. So for example, a very simple way to put it is shifting from is it good, is it good or bad, to um, asking questions about it, is it honest? That would be a good place to start, Um, especially if you're thinking about your own work. Um, And a question that I like to pose for people when I'm working with people in my studio is, instead of being preoccupied with, uh, it's, I don't, (laughs) another phrase I hear all the time, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Um, Maybe I'll talk about that on another episode. Instead of shift, instead of thinking of it's going to be bad, or it's, is it good? The question to keep in mind is, what would happen if what would happen if I used this brush instead of this brush or what would happen if I mix these two colors together or what would happen if I tried contrasting this shape against this shape or and thinking of it more like a researcher an experimenter um, is going to help you shift away from judgments of good or bad and I mentioned in the last episode in the the first episode that was kind of an introduction I said if you if you want to provoke me in conversation you can talk to me about what is good art and bad art because I think that's just such a ridiculous question Um, and I don't really believe anymore in concepts like good or bad right or wrong because everything is nuanced everything depends on your perspective and your collect your set of experiences and nothing is black and white like that and that kind of thinking is very patriarchal and it doesn't really serve us so same thing is true in art when you're when you're in the process of making this thing that you've been waiting for someday to make try to eliminate thinking of oh this is so bad Um, and instead try to focus on, like, if if you're not happy with it, what is it, let's say it's a painting, what is it that's bothering you? And sh- shift into problem-solving mode. Is it because the uh, proportions are off? Is it the color, like you wanted the quality of the color to be a little bit different? Is it the way it's... It feels unbalanced on the on the paper on the canvas so try to get away from good and bad into um, being curious about the process that helps a lot asking questions about what what would make it better or what would what would make you like it more um, and yeah, just shift, shift away. And actually that kind of helps us lead into the third one, which is owning your style. And I'll just stay, say right up front that like as you're shifting away from judgments like good and bad into curiosity, and the reason that I feel like the question of is it good or bad or what is good art and bad art is so ridiculous is that it is 100% a personal preference thing. Um, we know this by reading restaurant reviews. Mark and I were looking at some neighborhood reviews on Yelp the other day, and I was sort of laughing at somebody who's saying, don't order the, you know, blah, blah, blah at this Indian restaurant. And I was like, how do you know? Like, that might be my favorite thing just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's universally officially bad. So, um, so the owning your style begins with learning how to understand your own preferences and i on a personal note um, i have a lot of experience with this because i was in a long-term marriage where my life became easier if we did things his way so um, that's what I chose to do in many situations. And so in a lot of ways, I lost track of my own preferences. I sort of gave that away. And when I got out of that marriage, it, <laughs> every day I had to ask myself very basic questions like, where do I want to shop for groceries now that I am making this decision? myself, what do I want to eat for dinner and breakfast and lunch? What do I want to see on the walls of my home now that I am 100% or along with my kids, the boss of that? Um, and it was very blatant. And I hope that I'm the only one who's been in that situation. But even if you maybe a, a more common situation is that you've just been sort of handed a set of preferences from your family or our culture and you we're told all the time what we're supposed to like right that's why those movie rankings like we're supposed to like the one that made the most money um we're supposed to like the books that get the great book reviews so a lot of finding your own creative voice is just getting really honest about what you like and don't like and i have I have adopted a new habit that I really like and I again like I hope this is just me and that this all comes really easily for you and you've been doing it forever but I enjoy being a critic now not not, um, not to tear things down but when I'm looking at other people's art meaning reading books, watching movies, watching TV shows. Um, even reading articles or, you know, watching videos online. I, I enjoy now the process of responding to it and explaining. And Mark and I will have these conversations. And I still feel like I have to preface, preface it by saying, um, I'm not trying to slam this thing, but here's what I liked about it. Here's what I didn't like. I'm just, you know, this is just my preference. And I'll go into great depth sometimes about, you know, a book I read this, I really liked this about it, this way that it was written, but there was some, you know, this part bothered me and, and I, this all sounds really obvious when I'm saying it out loud, but I think it's easy or maybe I was just easily swept along into sort of adopting what other people told me was I should like and I think that for females in our culture that's probably more common because we are raised to be uh, likable and easygoing and to just sort of put everybody else first and sometimes that means just like sure we'll do that's fine you know I don't I don't mind whatever whatever you all want to do and um, our preferences can get kind of cloudy so I am newly enjoying at the ripe age of 54 boldly stating my preferences I don't always have them sometimes I'm still pretty easygoing but um, I, I sort of make it a game almost to pick apart like what what did I like about this what did I not like and it's just a way of understanding myself and I've come to believe that that's really our main job on this planet is to get to know ourselves and um, and then contribute in the best way that we can, because we are born with a unique set of skills and experiences, and 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 a unique opportunity to make a mark on the world. So that's really what this is all about. Um, and speaking of making a mark, this this step that I'm in right now about. Um, owning your style is, um, I think it's more challenging than it sounds because we're presented with everybody else's style, um, especially now in the world of Instagram. And we can often think, well, mine looks, you know, mine doesn't look that good. My clothes don't look that good on me. My, my painting doesn't look as good as hers. And, you know, we're just always comparing. Um, and so it's hard to It's hard to know what your style is, because we're so bombarded with everybody else's style. So it takes... unplugging actually is a useful thing. But I'm going to contradict myself right now and say that copying people can also be useful on the way to finding your own style. And I want to be careful here because here's what's illegal about copying. You do not copy somebody's work and then pass it off as your own and sell it like that's illegal. Don't do that. That's copyright infringement. But copying other people's work that you like, whether it's trying to reproduce a painting, I've done this. Um, And at the time I was doing it, I thought, why am I doing this? This is not creative. How come I don't have my own ideas? But in retrospect, I I look back at that period when I was very explicitly copying other people, like I would literally have a magazine picture or some kind of painting or something, and I would try to reproduce it and match the colors and the scale as much as I could and the proportions and It was actually a really good technical practice, so even though in my head the whole time I was like, why am I doing this, this is not creative, this is not art, I'm just copying, there was a purpose to it, and not only was I identifying things that I liked, so there's those preferences again, but I was building a lot of technical skills, and and then later on, the next step from that was sort of combining elements from different images and putting them together, so that was one step of you know a little bit more creative, and then eventually kind of coming up with my own ideas of what I wanted to paint. So it is, I am giving you permission to copy other people's work, just don't try to sell it as yours, um, because that is a step in developing your own style. And we're all on some level stealing and copying from each other, as some people will say, there's nothing new in the world, nothing new under the sun and Austin Kleon has a book called steal like an artist, you know, where, and musicians are always sampling and being, influ- you know, we're all influenced by each other. So the whole topic of copyright, that's a whole some sub- other thing that could have its own research project behind it. But, um, but all that is just to say, notice what you like, You can try doing things like the way other people do things that you like. That's a really normal part of the creative process. And um, that combined with lots of repetition and practice will over time help you develop your own style. And that's what it's all about. Because if you're writing a memoir, for example, you really want that memoir to be in your own voice and sound like you. (laughs) That would be the point I would think of a memoir. And if you're painting, you want to, you know, you want to have the painting feel like you. So a better question, um, I guess the question to keep in mind about style and a way to shift your focus um, away from judgment is, is this honest? Is it true? Am I, am I revealing something of myself? Am I um, taking a risk? because there is no creativity without risk-taking, I'm sorry to tell you. Um, there is no art, all, all creativity is risk-taking because it's doing something that might not work. Maybe nobody's gonna like it, maybe you're not gonna like it, maybe nobody will buy it, or you know, every, every kind of creativity has risk involved. So the question of honesty is a good one, And if you're still painting the same paintings that you were painting 20 years ago, you might not be as honest anymore. Maybe now you're just repeating something that you're familiar with and feels comfortable and safe. Maybe you're playing it too safe because presumably you have evolved as a person and your tastes have probably evolved with you so a good question to keep in mind is is this honest? Am I asking an honest question? Even if your question is how can I paint a pair of black boots on this canvas without using the color black? That's a little challenge I gave myself once. Or how, you know, at least at least the question is honest. It's a real challenge you're giving yourself. It's an experiment you're interested in. Um, it's something that you want to explore that's what i mean by honesty like something that is really capturing your interest and not you're not just trying to copy something that worked for somebody else or do something that will sell because you're trying to predict what is the most marketable that's kind of where the edge that i'm talking about and again we're back to how Art and capitalism don't really go together because art is about seeking truth and capitalism is about selling things. Um, and it's hard to do both at the same time. Sometimes you get lucky and people like your truth and they want to buy it. And that is, um, I was going to say that is great art, but I'm not supposed to be judging what is good art. and bad art i would just say that is something if it resonates with you then somebody has probably done a good job being truthful and um, has met your personal preferences so i think i'll wrap it up there but i don't know if i made my challenge explicit there is a challenge in this message and that is to take this opportunity we've been given in this very creatively fertile time when many of us are being told to stay home and choose one of your someday projects and and don't just do it in secret but I also want to challenge you to tell me about it or tell us about it or show us I've made the I'm I'm so clumsy on things like Instagram and all this social media and stuff but I looked up the hashtag Creative Someday Challenge and it doesn't exist yet. So let's let's start using it. I'll put it below. Creative Someday Challenge. So what I am challenging you to do is take one of your Someday projects off the back burner because hey, welcome to Someday. And do something, take a little step toward us and you can post it if you're really brave um, on Instagram or Facebook that's where I hang out with the hashtag creative someday challenge creative someday and I'm saying someday s o m e not not Sunday like the day of the week but someday like we've all been waiting someday we want to do all these awesome projects #Creative hashtag creative someday challenge so I challenge you to take a step into your someday dream share it and if you don't want to post it online you could email me pam at allhandsart.com if you know me or get my emails you probably have my my uh, phone number somewhere you could text it to me or somehow um, I want to I want to see what you're doing so I can cheer you on and then also as a last little note, I've been wondering in these weird times how I can help besides blog posts and my normal stuff. Um, I'm thinking about offering some creative art packs that I could mail out to people or deliver to local people. Because what I am sitting surrounded by right here in my art studio as I'm talking into my laptop a uh, voice recorder Is I have so many art supplies, and now there's not nobody's going to be coming to my studio for who knows how many months. Um, So if you if you want to do something, for example, paint, but you don't have paints or brushes or canvases, I have extra of all that stuff, and I could make up some little art supply packs. And I've been thinking about offering these free to people who you know who's who've been laid off or are having financial struggles or if you are more fortunate and able to pay then you could buy one Um, and i also did an online art journaling workshop on using zoom the other day a workshop that was supposed to be in person and we did it online and it was really fun so um, i plan to offer more of those and i will i will let you know about them because you don't have to be local anymore to come to my studio So thanks for being here and um, good luck on your someday project. I can't wait to see it and go out there and make stuff. I'll catch you next time.